Oh, you guys waiting on me? <laughs> yeah, we. I, I already wagered that you were like asleep, like passed out on your couch or something. Jared's no good. That's what I said. <laughs> that Jared, I don't like him. Take a number. <laughs> Scotch on the rocks, please. Any scotch will do, as long as it's not a blend, of course. Uh, single malt, Glenlivet, Glenfiddich, perhaps, maybe Glengow, any Glen. I'm Drumgon. I'm thirsty. I want a beer. What about you? You want a beer? Just a drink. A martini, shaken, not stirred. <laughs> are ready to go might as well <laughs> you don't sound too happy about this josh <laughs> no no i'm just i'm just being silly all right so uh son of a woman and chaplain that, those are the two movies we're gonna be talking about in this episode which uh they share i guess one similarity not much uh chaplain obviously is about charlie chaplin and it's your uh i think fairly standard uh biopic so I, I don't know how you gentlemen feel about it but uh those are basically nap time for me usually uh <laughs> or accuse me to like want to speed up and like oh let me get on wikipedia and read about this really quickly all right that's enough uh <laughs> then sin of woman is uh not a uh biopic but it has pretty much defined al pacino for the last what three decades at this point mm. this is uh pretty much from this point forward, I think this is the Al Pacino most people think of. Uh, unfortunately, not so much like a quieter character like in Godfather. I think it's a very big uh, persona of Al Pacino. So going to discuss these two, which came out in early 93, uh, January 93. And uh, we're both uh, shooting for Oscar gold. And one of them uh, actually succeeded. Al Pacino, as I said, uh, didn't win for Godfather, <laughs> but won for Sin of Woman. <laughs> Take that for what it is. Okay, so we'll we'll kick it off. Uh, Josh, tell us about your experience. If you'd seen these before, I'm assuming based on uh, how we started the call that uh, you were aware of some of the highlights already of Sin of Woman, the very enthusiastic hoo-ha that uh, mm. Mr. Pacino gives. Uh, but uh, were these ones that were uh, classics for you growing up? Well, I was a little confused. I thought, I mean, you all didn't watch the the Robot Rabbit movie? Not aware of a robot rabbit movie. Chappy? Oh, that's what I thought we were oh, watching. Oh God, Chappy! <laughs> oh yeah. No, I I would not wish that on my friends, and that's mm-hmm. even having seen Christmas Eve. I would not wish <laughs> Shito Copley on anyone, especially him screaming in a robot voice. Uh, no, all, all jokes aside, uh, Definitely. I had not watched either of these movies. Uh, they were both kind of blind spots for me. Um, but grew up very aware of Sin of a Woman. I mean, it's kind of one of those, like from the moment I guess it came out, people have been quoting and, you know, kind of acting like uh, the colonel, you know, their hoo-ahs and, and such. Uh, Chaplin movie I was barely aware of. I mean, I knew uh, that uh, a, a Charles Chaplin movie biopic existed but i, I, like I didn't that. even know who was josh he's I famous knew. enough i guess he gets one if, he, if we must <laughs> make a movie about him you're really making me sound way more cynical than what i am <laughs> i've uh, noticed in editing the previous episodes that i usually come in with your voice as far more negative like i yeah, <laughs> yeah. paraphrase like oh josh hates this i hope you got that <laughs> 
but uh, no, I didn't. I didn't know like, who uh, who starred in it. The uh, director, nothing. I, I knew very little about it. So uh, that said, um, yeah, they were uh, interesting watches. Okay, Josh, I, I won't uh, misconstrue your words there. I'll leave some positivity left uh, on the episode. Jared, uh, what about yourself? I've always imagined you fashioned your life after the Pacino character from Sin of a Woman. Yeah, especially the part where he uh, wants to kill himself. I knew it was like, yeah, this is definitely Jared. Uh, this is how Jared wants to. Uh, that's how he's modeled his whole life. Uh, <laughs> that went dark. <laughs> that went dark, and me and Josh immediately laughed. And uh, of ourselves. course, bah! <laughs> Not that far off. <laughs> um, to be fair no, to I, the Pacino character, it's not the worst way. If you're going to plan to go out, he is living it up mm-hmm. a little bit. I don't know if he had a next step after this because he spends quite a bit of money. Um, and it's definitely going to face some lows. But uh, yeah, I, I, Jared, I, I actually, that's not what I was going for. But uh, I feel like now <laughs> we need to talk about you a little more than the movies. <laughs> the good news is, Jared, is that his character peaked, and that's what he was struggling with, was that, you know, it was all kind of downhill from there. You got nowhere to go but up, man. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. I mean, I you still you still have uh, Chris O'Donnell to look forward to, showing up at uh-huh. your doorstep and driving you around, <laughs> weeping in front of you. <laughs> yeah, shoot me now. <laughs> no, I'd... Uh... I'd never actually heard of uh, Chaplin before. Like I, I, I was astounded that Robert Downey Jr. could hold down work for long <laughs> enough to uh, shoot a three-hour film, which it was. It felt like four or five hours. But, well, let me ask you. Can I ask you? Let me interject uh, no. on that note because I, I think I'd seen parts of Chaplin when I was a kid. I remember like my parents like renting it, and I would as a child was only interested in the scenes where he was like pratfalling like the stuff that you know mm-hmm. charlie chaplin for he's known for yeah. uh and then i would just play with toys or i'd just stop paying attention or whatever <laughs> um but i did feel like yes it's long and they're trying to cover a lot but they use this narrative device where anthony hopkins uh which they say later in the credits is a fictional character that's just there mm-hmm. to kind of move things along i felt like it was awkward in the sense that they need to pick up the pace. And then there would be stuff where it's mm-hmm. like, they introduce a woman and then that's the only time you see her. And they talk about like, well, a lot of shit really hit the fan after that. And I'm like, well, <laughs> show us some of it. Don't, don't have Anthony Hopkins come and be like, no. those were some dark days, weren't they, Charlie? And then I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. why are we skipping that part? That sounds like some, some juicy gossip. 10 more there. minutes of, uh, we need 10 more minutes of him chasing 15 year olds around. We like, we, it happened five times in the film. Like I, I get it. I know that he likes some younger women, like, yeah, I, I vastly more enjoyed the uh, Robert Downey kind of like aping his um, theater work and the slapstick and the physical comedy. I, that the two films, honestly, I thought were pretty. Um, obviously, not the subject matter, but the similar in the sense that like the main leading actor is what kind of carried both films. Like the actual narrative of both of them, I was kind of like meh. But Al Pacino and Robert Downey Jr. both, I think, on the backs of uh, those two guys. Well, Josh, how, how do you, you know, you didn't have any experience with Sin Woman, but you were aware of it. Mm-hmm. How differently do you think it plays now? Cause I'm thinking of like a, uh, like a Nicholas Cage, like when he did the, uh, the vampires kiss movie, like I think that mm-hmm. came out in 1990. That probably was strikingly different than how it would be now. Like now you'd be like, Oh, he's at it again. 
But then <laughs> you might have been like, what the hell am I watching? Like, this guy is crazy. Like, I guess what I'm saying is the shock value is gone a little bit from Simple Woman. Like, he is such a brash character and so broad mm-hmm. that when you watch it now, especially if it's your first time, you're like, mm-hmm, it's Pacino doing Pacino again. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the the film overall, you know, I feel like it was a bit way more melodramatic uh, at least in uh, the current viewing that I had of it versus I, I don't know if people felt like it was kind of in some degree sappy, you know, when it came out or if it had a little bit more of an air of, uh, I don't know, dignity, you know, being a little bit more self-important. I'm not sure, but, uh, you know, the it's, it's just kind of like your standard, you know, like this is a good kid who's in a bad place. And then here comes the, uh, you know, the eccentric you know older character that you know they're gonna they're gonna help each other you know so it's all kind of uh yeah i mean i feel like it's been done a lot but i don't know how much of that is my reading it with my lifetime of movie watching you know versus that coming out in what 92 and uh maybe it was a little bit fresher then well even a film that jerry just mentioned on the christmas episode his pick uh bad santa as being like a favorite of his yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a that's not far off from Son of a Woman as far as the the alcoholic, no. the brash character, the one that's basically drinking himself to death, and it is like the innocence. <laughs> I mean, not to be too insulting to future Robin here, but Chris O'Donnell <laughs> is playing like the snot nosed kid a little bit with like the wide eyes, who uh, is just there to like placate everyone, as you said, just that like goodness of him. Like he is so good, right. he won't rat out. These assholes, which I want to point out, I think the best part of the film is Philip Seymour Hoffman. I think, I mean, he is the one that that holds up because he is so slimy that it is actually amazing that he ever escaped being totally typecast as just that yeah. character. And I think he did credit that movie as being pretty much the turn in his career of like actually getting like offered good roles and starting an actual career beyond maybe just bit parts, I guess. Yeah. I listened to a podcast where Paul Thomas Anderson said that's where he fell in love with Philip Seymour Hoffman. Cause he was like, <laughs> it's, it's not that he was being totally dismissive of the rest of the film, but he was like, who is that redheaded guy? Like go back to him. Like he is, because the way he <laughs> manages Chris O'Donnell and, uh, you know, appears to be like, you know, this is how, we're, this is how we're going to do it. We're staying strong. And then when he's there with his father at the end, ready to just rat everyone out. Like just how squirrely and slimy he is. I mean, he is just, I don't know that, that to me is what holds up in the film is like kind of seeing the arc of his career. And it, you were, you were talking about <laughs> to Jared that Pacino had peaked. <laughs> what I hope for Jared is that he's truly Philip Seymour Hoffman in this one where he's got, <laughs> he's got a lot more slime <laughs> for the rest of his days. <laughs> well, I think that's a given. I'll take the money. <laughs> uh, well, I'll say this, uh, just kind of like overall, because um, I know we're kind of sound like we're joking on these movies some, but, you know, overall, I did enjoy Sin of a Woman. I think what I had a little bit of trouble with as I was watching it was not knowing anything about it. First off, the title of the movie, if you don't know anything about the movie, just the name, like Sin of a Woman, it sounds like something that's going to be a little bit more... A Twitter uh, favorite. Uh, yeah, upper <laughs> upper brown, you know, high brown, whatever. Uh, and and knowing that, you know, uh, Pacino had gotten his Oscar for it and everything, I was expecting something a little bit more, I don't know, I guess, 
Romantic? Uh, a little more... Maybe. Maybe kind of romantic, kind of more like self-serious. <laughs> Not a something. blind man sniffing them from across the room. I kind of wondered how that, in this climate, how that played, where he goes on about the smells. I mean, he's not... I mean, he's not a he's not a politically correct character anyway. Even for that time, he was not meant to be politically correct. But you know, I I did think like, yeah, they probably wouldn't title it "Sin of Woman." I don't think they'd market the film that way, where he's on the prowl. I don't know. What, I don't know what they would market it as. Yeah, but the, but the dance scene actually isn't. You know, for the guy that's talking like such a pervert, the dance scene is actually like it, it still works. I think that's kind of what's refreshing about the character in the movie is that I mean. You you have the whole mentality of like boys will be boys when it's just boys together talking and all that type of stuff. But he is at least like a gentleman when it's time to uh you know, when it's time to perform, you know, he he's not like Donald Trump. Locker room talk mm-hmm. and then a total gentleman afterwards. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if he has the gentleman part down. <laughs> he might be missing about half of the equation. Yeah, the, but, the uh, important half. That's what he's saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um but uh, I did enjoy the performance. I enjoyed the movie. I just, I, it was odd for me being like, this is the the Oscar winning movie. Like, this is the one that got in the Oscar. Like for me, it's just I would put it down as like one of those good '90s movies. Like, okay, you know, it's on TBS or whatever. It's fine. We'll watch it. It's it didn't insult my senses by any means, but uh, it's not just it's just not anything I would have put to that prestige level. I guess. I see. I don't know, um, and Jared, I don't know. I don't, you're usually our stat boy as far as like the the numbers, so I'm not going to put this on you. I don't know if it was originally intended as that by Martin Bress, because you know, you look at the poster, it says from the director of Beverly Hills Cop. So right. up to that point, he's you know making you know their characters, they're very loud, but also comedies. And this, I think, you successful movie. You could market this for the most part as a comedy, as you know. We went. To I would have. That's why I told Josh. I told Josh that it should be marketed as a comedy. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, you get to the suicide part. <laughs> Dad! Stay right here! Get out of here! Stay right here! I'll blow your fucking head off! Do it! You want to do it? Do it! Let's go! Get out of here! Well, you fucked up, all right? So what? So everybody does it. Get on with your life, would you? What life? I got no life! I'm in the dark here! Do you understand? I'm in the dark! Give up. You want to give up, give up. Because I'm giving up too. You said I'm through. You're right. I am through. We're both through. It's all over. So let's get on with it. Let's fucking do it. Let's fucking pull the trigger, you miserable blind motherfucker. Pull the trigger. Here we go, Charlie. I'm ready. You don't want to die. And neither do you. Give me one reason not to. I'll give you two. 
You can dance a tango and drive a Ferrari better than anyone I've ever seen. You never seen anyone do either. A little that, bit less funny there, yeah, yeah. Yeah, except when we do it. <laughs> except when Jared yeah, opens except with it. Yeah, we uh, <laughs> open with it, yeah. Um, but it, it, I think it had an effect on his career because he goes, I think, from this to Meet Joe Black, which also mm-hmm. could be a comedy. I believe it was a remake of just like a like a romantic comedy. And I remember that one being marketed as like, Josh, you were saying like prestige. Like, you know, it's Brad Pitt and it's like talking about life and death with Anthony Hopkins. And I, I kind of wonder if this one had a, a bad effect on Martin Brest as a filmmaker, where it's like something like, oh, I am. I am making those type of movies. And it's like, man, <laughs> Beverly Hills Cop was pretty awesome. He ended up writing, producing, and directing Jiggly. We can say it had a negative effect on his career. I mean, he could, a, he could yeah. do the room thing and say that was always intended to be yeah. that funny yeah. in that way. But uh, <laughs> he probably has too much dignity. Probably. Here's an interesting stat. Both uh, films budget was 31 million dollars given both of them are you couldn't be much more different as far as the narrative and uh yeah there's there's no there's no type of like special effects or or you know you would think with chaplain set pieces though that would be a lot more costly i would think i mean it's a period piece so you're trying to recreate the look of old hollywood um, and all that, I, you know, the funny thing is the most striking shot I thought in Chaplin, the only time I like sort of admired it, like, Oh, this is cool. was when he goes into the empty soundstage that's been built for him. Mm-hmm. Everything else, <laughs> everything that actually was supposed to be in a real place. I'm like, Oh, this looks kind of fake. Like when they're in, they're in that, uh, any sort of party scene or like a restaurant, I don't know. It always felt like we're in this one dining room and then that's it. <laughs> it just felt, and maybe that was the point. Maybe they were trying to make it look like old movies where it had that sort of this like set, like you're watching a limited set. Yeah. 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 But, um, I, uh, I, I'll say this. I don't, and I don't know if this is a good or bad <laughs> watching Chaplin in full, not as a child coming in for like <laughs> the action scenes, the money shots where Chaplin falls down or hits himself. Like, jackass or like the early version very early <laughs> version of jackass watching the whole thing i was like oh uh yeah i could probably skip it but i will say this when it would cut to his films or the idea he gets for his films like the great dictator or modern times it made me want to go find them online and start watching those instead so i don't know if that's, that's... a good or bad review of chaplin itself but it did make me want to revisit the actual man's filmography i think we're desensitized to it to a point because like you said, Jackass, there's only so much of that slapstick physical comedy that even translates anymore because we've grown up with, hi, I'm Johnny Knoxville, and I'm going to staple my nutsack to a two-by-four <laughs> like it. <laughs> it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's... Well, let me just put on the record, I don't want to see a Chaplin movie. I hope Charlie Chaplin <laughs> doesn't have an archives of that. <laughs> attempting that. I also want to put on the record that I don't know if I feel comfortable like talking about Charlie Chaplin and Johnny Knoxville stapling his nutsack in the same sentence like i do feel like charlie chaplin was a little bit more dignified and a little bit more <laughs> important i mean yeah <laughs> but i'm just saying than, than johnny knoxville <laughs> say we've been we've been desensitized to that type of comedy uh, jared I yeah think, i think you're really uh embracing the uh pacino instead of woman <laughs> role just like, <laughs> let's get right to the point staple your nutsack <laughs> entertain me charlie chaplin <laughs> <laughs> or you uh, uh, play around with some grenades, juggle some grenades, and see what happens. 
Um, I'm sure they've actually done that on Jack. So Jared, you didn't you didn't have that uh, that feeling of like I want to go watch some Chaplin joints, but Josh, did you did you want to yep. revisit? You did, okay. Yep. Uh, now, I mean, just from what I've read from both of you, it sounds like I'm probably going to come off way more positive on um, Chaplin than than either of you, uh, because I didn't have that feeling of like I want to watch those movies instead of this. But I did, in fact, have that feeling of like uh, I. Uh, Charlie Chaplin is a huge blind spot in my, you know, uh, you know my the movies I've watched, and I, I haven't really, other than just a couple of his uh, shorts, you know, kind of like little short films. I, I guess they would have been considered feature lens, I guess, back in like 1918 or whatever. But uh, I've not really watched much of his stuff. But as you were saying, it was like I just kind of had him written off as just a comedy act. I, I didn't realize that, especially once he took over directing, that he had uh, such a heart about you know, trying to even tell some meaningful stories about the times, you know, and making a political statement, even within his films. And they weren't like, uh, you know, everything today is very biased left and right, you know, as far as like everybody has like an edge, I guess, on what they're trying to say. His, his political statements weren't even that. They were just basically like, you know, times can be bad or whatever, or, or but be a good human, <laughs> you know, is essentially was kind of what he was saying in a lot of that stuff. We're too generous. We're too open. If we don't watch out. If we don't take steps now to impose some new discipline, some decency, then we're in trouble. Deep trouble. I know it's not fashionable to say this. We're celebrating. Everyone thinks it's over. But democracy carries a price tag. And I just happen to think that one of the most misguided promises we ever made was inscribed on the base of the Statue of Liberty. One that I predict will lead this country into all kinds of trouble. Give us your poor, your huddled masses. Now we have to stop this before it goes too far. Our conception of America does not include, was never meant to include, this kind of scum. You will have to forgive our famous young friend, the artistic temperament. But what you're saying is important, very important. Right now, we are giving sanctuary to the refuse of the world. All kinds of left-wing intellectuals who'd like nothing more than to bring us down. <laughs> Don't you think you're overstating? No, sir, I do not. And I sometimes wonder if you people realize the responsibility you carry. To my way of thinking, motion pictures are potentially the most influential form of communication ever invented. And there's no control over them. Your message reaches everyone, everywhere message of course mr chaplin here reaches millions who only have to see and when they see a mockery being made of our immigration services i call that a message yes well as you've already said mr hoover motion pictures are for the people most of the people work for a living and they don't make much money doing it gives them pleasure to see official them and the upper classes getting a kick up the backside always has and it always will and if that can change things so much the better and uh, it did it, it, it struck me as fascinating that uh 
somebody who I just had written off as just kind of a physical humor uh, type actor that he had put such heart into his work. So I, I, I appreciate that. And actually, I, I've already queued up the old uh, Filmstruck app for anybody who, who's curious. They have a huge Charlie Chaplin library. So Meanwhile, Jared's got Jackass 3.5 ready to go. <laughs> Don't act like I'm the only one out of the three of us <laughs> that have enjoyed some Jackass over the years. I will say uh, to Josh's point, and I'm not going to disagree with Jared's sim. I'm just not going to go on the record about it. Uh, I'm not going to confirm nor deny those allegations. Um, <laughs> the Chaplin thing, what I liked was, because I guess the counter argument for him that is hinted at uh, in the film is that he can recognize some problems in society. Like when they're talking about the Depression, um, I think he has a line when he's talking to this uh, fictional like uh, author that's helping him write his uh, autobiography, mm-hmm. is that he sold sold all of his stocks. Like he basically cashed out the right moment, and so yeah, like a year he, before the depression, yeah. He see it's like I, what I liked about the film. I don't think they executed it in the best way because it's not the most like cinematic watch. Is that he's basically a guy that has incredible luck and then incredibly bad luck. At two different times, like for the most part, he has a charmed life, um, but then he has his own issues. I mean, Jared, you already said he just like he. I think the character says it's not even sex, but it's just like he mm. constantly needs some new inspiration, which is usually like the newest girl on the block in Hollywood, like the newest like sixteen year old to show up to dream of become a star. He wants to like help her become a star, but then he has no use for her, and so then it's on to the next. Um, you know, he feels incredible guilt about his mom. He feels guilt about the riches that he has given where he comes from. But he also doesn't really want to give up those riches. And I don't, I don't, I'm not going to blame him. Yeah, I'm not going to blame anybody. So he does what he can do, which is he can hopefully make funny films about that that have, as Josh said, a little more bite to them. And there was one a bit of dialogue that really struck me where he's talking to the Hopkins character and he's basically saying, I never got anything right. Like never got everything exactly the way he wanted. It was always Mm -hmm. some degree of compromise. And then he sort of shrugs and he's like, well, at least it cheered some people up. And that Mm -hmm. was it. Like he kind of, he sort of resigned to the fact that it's not exactly, uh, set in his perfectionist ways, but he does admit it's like, well, it did do some good entertained a lot of people. So you have to, he's good with that. He can, and he literally goes to sleep on that thought. I yeah. think that's a pretty common theme amongst human <clears throat> humanity and humans in general. Is you you try and you try and you try and you try to get things perfect, but when you look back on it, as long as you did some good, then I mean you can reconcile that and be happy with it. I want to switch gears to the the ending of Sin of Woman, which is the main, I guess, point of the uh the Charlie character is that he's put in in between a rock and a hard place as far as giving away his peers, um and maybe bettering himself, kind of like shaking hands and with the devil with the superior stars. Taking a bribe in the process. Yeah. Take, I mean, he – and I, what I like about that uh, – the problem in that film is the people he'd be ratting at, out to us, the audience, and to him probably, these are a bunch of jerks. These are guys yeah. that make fun of him by his back. It's not like he's – it's not a, uh, a put to the test of like ratting out his friends where we would instantly – you know, sitting back from the comfort of our seats watching this fictional character, we would be like, of course you don't do that. If you do that, I'll hate you. And this film, I, does it ever work for either of you where you're like, eh, maybe? Maybe rat him out? Because I think that's an important distinction that the director sets them up as assholes. And so if he rats them out, we don't really care what happens to him. 
uh, I'll jump in real quick. Um, to me, I, I think it deliver it it allows him to to deliver on that ending, and that's the ending that Charlie is the the one guy there with principles and morals because of that very reason. I mean, because if you protect your friends, that's still a form of self-interest because they're your friends and they'll be mm. upset with you. But like you protect your enemy or, or your people that are at least at, at the very least jerks. That's selfless. You're, you're just protecting them because you just feel like, or maybe not protecting, but you're not ratting them out because you're just like, that's, that's not the right thing to do is, you know, to be a rat or whatever. So it, it was definitely more selfless for him to do that, that rather than it be, actual friends or whatnot. So I feel like for them to make that point at the end about Charlie's character and his, his principles that helps sell it. Now, I mean, I guess you could argue it could be a hard sell, you know, as far as like, are any humans that decent? But I, I think there are, I, I, I just, and I think they do a pretty good job of making him seem like that character throughout the whole movie. Uh, as far as just, he's a pretty low key guy. He's not real. Oh, you know, he doesn't really, push his desires or agenda on anybody. Um, and that's, that even kind of comes down in that scene between him and Pacino during the, the suicide scene when uh, Charlie starts to get a little demanding of him about giving the gun. And, and he's like, he said something along the lines of like, you know, stand down or whatever. And Charlie says, I'm sorry. And then he goes on to say like, no, it's all right. He's like, I used to stand up to everybody because it made me feel powerful and important. He's like, but you only do it when, you think it's the right moment to do it or something along, along those lines. So again, that's, I think they're, they're trying to show that he's, he is a, a guy of, you know, good, good principle. Yeah. Good character. And so I'll say based upon our life experiences, it may be easier or harder to uh, accept that somebody like that might exist. I don't know, but I, I, th I think they do a pretty decent job of selling it. Sasa to the most <clears throat> indecent man we know, uh, Jared, what do you feel <laughs> about Charlie's actions? The, the nasty Hellcat. <clears throat> <sighs> Shout oh, out to Hyro. Hyro, uh... if you're listening, please uh, respond with hashtag nasty Hellcat and tag Jared. <laughs> these are all fake news. I'll go on record as saying that. I, there's not really much left unsaid by what Josh said. I, I it just I knew it was coming. I, it felt like it was telegraphed across the whole movie because it, from start to end, like he was just a good, decent person and. Even if it was his enemies, I didn't think that he really had it in him to do something bad to another person, even if it meant that he was going to have something bad happen to him. Like, I know he struggled with it through the movie, but he showed too much character from the entirety of the uh, of the movie to really like. I, I didn't think he, he was going to even with even without Pacino showing up at the end. Spoiler alert like, for a 25 year old movie. But. <laughs> do you like that Pacino gets he gets to take the shots, though, that Charlie can't or shouldn't? by virtue of his character that he gets yeah. he has that one line where he you know the fuck you too basically <laughs> to those guys well he's he's finally you know uh paying back charlie a little bit for what his you know the graciousness and kindness that he showed him over the uh the weekend that he had with him i, I felt like that was very appropriate uh you know and if it's going if it's going to come from anybody obviously it's going to come from pacino and his uh brash growling uh yelling nature so and, the only and theoretically, thing, you know, his character would know that. His character would know that Charlie's probably not going to stand up for himself as he should. And so 
he's like, uh, well, I'm that man, so <laughs> I'm doing it, Charlie. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's definitely weaponized in that scene. He knows yeah, that all of his yeah. asshole tendencies are unleashed <laughs> and allowed. Everybody. Right, right. <laughs> the only thing I didn't like uh, was the crowd standing up and cheering. Like that was. I agree. Was like, yeah, Charlie, yeah. tell him now. Like, I, yeah. I, I don't. Was, I don't agree with that. I do. I do think that there would be a lot of laughter and probably like tittering, like enjoying oh, seeing a man like Al Pacino. Trying to themselves. Yeah, just sort of <laughs> taking down the establishment away. There would be, I mean, just in any sort of school yeah. setting, there would be a lot of enjoyment from students seeing the authoritative figures <laughs> taking their shots. What kind of a show are you guys putting on here today? I mean, the only class in this act is sitting next to me, and I'm here to tell you this boy's soul is intact. It's non-negotiable. You know how I know? Someone here, and I'm not going to say who, offered to buy it. Only Charlie here wasn't selling. Sir, you're out of order. I don't, I show you out of order. You don't know what out of order is, Mr. Trask. I'd show you, but I'm too old. I'm too tired. I'm too fucking blind. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. If they'd put that cheering, like, as soon as he got done with his monologue versus getting the verdict, yeah. that would have been so upset. Because, yeah, that's the realistic. Like, kids are like, yes, some stranger just came in here and took down the headmaster. That's freaking awesome. But, uh, yeah, I, I think the, the cheering after the verdict, you know, 90% of them people don't know who Charlie is. They don't care if he's... <laughs> spell it or not i think it, it works far better in chaplin there's a similar ending to it in the sense that uh i mean we have chaplin being applauded and presumably there's a standing ovation but one thing i didn't expect in that sequence uh and it made me go to youtube to like find when he came back to accept his sort of honorary like lifetime achievement oscar uh was that the film was not going to show the crowd I thought that was really cool. Like it just shows him like watching his own movies. It's like the first time the guy that created all this, who I said in a previous uh, scene had been like, well, at least it amused some people. It's like the first time he truly appreciated sort of the scope of his work mm -hmm. and what he did. I thought that was actually really effective. But the only issue I have with Chaplin is I wish they had been edited down or sort of rearranged, just tightened up a little bit. Cause I think there's some really yeah. good stuff in there. Yeah. And to go with what you said just now about the, uh, about the not showing the crowd, um, I did read that uh, after that he got a 12-minute standing ovation, and it's the longest standing ovation in Oscar history. So, I mean, that was actually a pretty you know artistic choice to not show that because that could have been uh, the cherry on top, I guess, if, if you're wanting to show his impact and what everybody thought about him. But it's almost like they're going to leave that like, well, you should know that. You know, you should know that he had that type of reaction. We're just going to end it on that quiet moment of right before that happened. Yeah, I so. think it's it's more about that scene is him appreciating his own work more mm -hmm. so than yeah, like not just him being like, oh, other people enjoy this because it almost seems like he's sort of lost by himself, like watching his own stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. Jared, I'm gonna go to Stat Boy here. Do you know if was Downey Jr. was he nominated for this one? Was he up against? He was he got three nominations, but go ahead. He got Josh. he got nominated, but it was in '93 instead of '92. Okay. See, I thought these were the same. Did this did this one actually come out in '93? I don't. I, I don't think came it, out on the same day. Yeah, See, it's weird. Huh? That's strange. Because I know uh, Sin of a Woman had a limited run in December, uh, and then went wide in early January. Um, yeah, that's just something. Because I thought I thought they went up head to head, and uh, I guess now uh, Dan Junior is just going to settle for being Iron Man until he's 80 years old. Uh, <laughs> 
it did give me the one thought when watching it that uh you know it's a it's a darn shame that he you know got so messed up with drugs and that it affected his uh you know, obviously it's bad it affected his life period but i guess what i'm getting at is uh it made me wonder like man he had the potential early on for great performances and what did we possibly miss out on during those years that he was gone uh you know not acting he's and now he's kind of a character like Pacino he's like kind of always, like even with you look at something like Sherlock Holmes he's kind of still mm -hmm. playing Tony Stark he's playing like yeah. the smartest guy in the room with like the quickest answers and it is it does suck when you watch some of these older films like like a Chaplin and be like oh he could have been a great character actor not just yeah. becoming Robert Downey Jr. the character mm -hmm. I will issue a quick correction they did face up against each other in the Oscars and Pacino beat uh Pacino beat Downey Jr. for Chaplin, uh, Clint Eastwood for Unforgiven, and Denzel Washington for Malcolm X. I'd probably go with Eastwood if I was just from those That's nominees. That's a tough one, man. That's from those tough. nominees, I think I'd go retroactively. I'd go Eastwood for Unforgiven. Uh, yeah, maybe. Man, I, I might have put Pacino last out of all those. I, I don't know, but... And that's a shame to say because Pacino's deserving of an Oscar, just not that movie. I mean, <laughs> uh, I mean a that's a common thought now. I mean, that's a lot of people look at this as a lifetime achievement award, as they did for Chaplin in the Chaplin film. That um, for Pacino, they look at this as right. like, oh, he didn't really win for *Sin of a Woman*. He won for uh, something else entirely. Take your pick on many great yeah. performances <laughs> given the seventies. <70s>. Yeah, well, I'm sorry about my misinformation. I, what I read tonight, and maybe it's because the Oscars show the year after the movie, so maybe somebody had put that. I thought you were just setting up Jared to kick Downey Jr. again after you said it's a it's a shame he got into all that drug business, and Jared's like, and he lost. He lost. But you know he lost. <laughs> lost, lost. Maybe this is why he got into drugs. <laughs> oh, Jared. Oh. <laughs> Dark place, man. <laughs> we should should just wrap it up uh, for Jared. I mean, he opened with <laughs> suicidal thoughts. <laughs> well, you never know what week my run will end on sober cinema. <laughs> now I'm fearing that you ever have like technical issues and you have to drop out and people are going to assume the worst. <laughs> like we have a stand yeah, the audience, not you guys, but the audience. <laughs> yeah. We have a guest host this week. Uh, everything's fine over there. Uh, mm -hmm. Jared's home. I assure you. He's just, <laughs> masturbating presumably <laughs> very loudly <laughs> so obviously sin of a woman is well known uh you all were aware mm -hmm. of it before you watched it just the, aware of the character aware of pacino uh, and him winning the oscar for it we've already kind of gone into the fact that he beat out robert down jr for chaplin so they went head to head uh but i would guess that most people uh, are not aware of chaplin the film that was made about charlie chaplin's life so the premise of our show does Chaplin deserve to be more well known and not be the the sort of lost film in our particular concept, uh, or does Sin of a Woman deserve all the accolades and deserve its spot as a famous Pacino performance? And we'll start with Josh. Uh, I would definitely have put um, Chappie above Sin of a Woman. Chappie, <laughs> Chaplin above. Uh, <laughs> I was about to say I thought you enjoyed Sin of a Woman, and you're like, you know what, Chappie, Chappie's better. <laughs> Uh, like I said, I enjoyed Sin of a Woman. It, it, it's, a, it's a good, perfectly fine film. It's got its moments. And uh, it is a good performance from Pacino, but it just it doesn't deserve those accolades. Uh, and given what we just went through about who was nominated that year, I'm not sure I would have given it to Robert Downey Jr. I 
I would have been okay with him winning it, uh, more so than Pacino in this case. Uh, but uh, there's definitely something wrong that, like, Sin of a Woman, in my opinion, is that movie that is quoted and so, <laughs> so well-known. And that Chappie is, like, I'm sure most people, other than maybe the thing that thought, Taplin. You know, same as myself earlier about just probably kind of knowing it existed or assuming it existed, but don't know anything about it. I I think that's a shame. I think it's uh, sort of the same because I'm sure we live in a day and age now where not too many people know too much about Charlie Chaplin beyond just your, your, you know, film buffs and and people who kind of enjoy the historic part of it. But, uh, I think there's a lot to to enjoy from that movie and and just the some of the histor- historical importance to it. So I definitely think it should be higher regarded than what it is. About you, Jared? Yeah, I would uh, I would put them closer as peers. Um, right now, the uh, the critics loved well 25 years ago. The critics loved Son of a Woman a lot more than they did Chaplin, and I don't think that there's this big. Um, uh, cavern between the two of them in, in terms of quality of film i think it's uh two really great performances and the rest of the movies are kind of you know, you know i don't know what term not not really cookie cutter but nothing you know extravagant or special about the rest of the movies apart from those performances um but yeah sin of woman is at like 88 percent on rotten tomatoes and chaplin is so you almost got me saying chappy uh chaplin <laughs> <laughs> chaplin is at 58 so I, I think they're much closer. I, I would probably um, meet them probably in the middle. I'd go like 65, 70 for both. I'd probably put them mm-hmm. both about the same. Uh, I'm going to give a very brief answer, but I'm going to put some pressure on you, uh, Jared, uh, like that. Mm. What was that uh, John Travolta hacking movie that he does to Hugh Jackman where he like puts a gun to his head? I want well, that's you... uh, Swordfish. Swordfish. I'm sure they'll be on the show, Sober Cinema, soon enough <laughs> when we celebrate the anniversary of that classic. Can you look well, up Chappie's Rotten Tomatoes real quick? I just want to put a third film into the mix that Josh keeps introducing. I'm, I'm going to say that uh, I, if I have to pick between the two, I say Chaplin deserves more attention than sin of woman deserves its status. Um, I probably still like sin of woman better as a movie. Um, but, and I, as I said, I'm, I'm an Eastwood supporter for unforgiven as far as the awards race, but, uh, I had more fun, I guess. And maybe it's unfair cause I'm experiencing Chaplin pretty much for the first time. And I'd seen sin of woman a few times already. Uh, that film just makes me sad that that's Al Pacino's sort of defining performance when Jared mentioned he was in Glengarry Glen Ross that same year, which I think mm-hmm. is, is much better and a much mm-hmm. better role for him to go big and go broad. Uh, whereas, as we said earlier with Robert Downey Jr. watching Chaplin, Josh, what you said makes me sad that I'm not seeing performances like this from him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm going I'm to go with Chaplin just for the purpose of this podcast. But, Jared, what the listeners have been waiting for what did chappy score on rotten tomatoes 32 <laughs> percent from critics there we 56% go six percent from audience <laughs> bit too so, high uh, for my, my <laughs> <laughs> way too high God, that uh rap duo in the movie is just awful awful so well, Jared, thank you for, i was gonna go with some classic like you know a chaplain score that he's working on relentlessly in the film but i think you've just picked the, the outro music right now yeah. Do do any of what what do they call them? Die ant word or whatever. Yeah, look up that nonsense. It's terrible. Josh, final thoughts as that music is now playing as you speak. Just imagine it. Oh my goodness. That's too much pressure. Uh 
You could look up a quote from Chappie. <laughs> I don't have I don't have the internet right now on my computer. My computer. <laughs> it's because Chappie Chappy hates you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, if you do have internet, please subscribe to this podcast. We're on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called now, and uh, probably can be found on your pod player of choice, followingfilms.com. And if you want to interact with us, we're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Sober Cinema. Women, what can you say? Who made him? God must have been a fucking genius. They say the hair is everything. Have you ever buried your nose in a mountain of curls? Just wanted to go to sleep forever. Or lips. And when they touched yours were like that first swallow of wine after you just crossed the desert. Tits. Big ones, little ones, nipples staring right out at you, like secret searchlights. Legs, I don't care if they're Greek columns or secondhand Steinways. What's between them? Passport to heaven. I need a drink. Yes, Mr. Sims. There's only two syllables in this whole wide world worth hearing. Pussy. Ah. Are you listening to me, son? I'm giving the pearls here. <laughs> I guess you really like women. Oh, above all things. A very, very distant second is a Ferrari. Charlie? Give me a hand. I'm not like you, I'm not. I'm not like you, I'm not. I'm not like you, I'm not.